There is one story that every person is a part of, and it goes like this. God created us out of love to be in relationship with him. But our trust in God was broken by sin, and we became separated from him. So God sent Jesus Christ into the world to redeem us and restore us to new life. We all belong within the big universal story of God's redeeming love. But at the same time, we each have our own individual experiences with God. Our encounters with his grace, mercy, hope, healing, these moments are as unique and unrepeatable as we are. And they are stories that are meant to be shared. You're listening to The Story, a podcast by St. Andrew the Apostle Catholic Church. In each episode, a different member of our community tells the story of a personal experience in their journey to know and follow the Lord. For this episode, I spoke with parishioner Louise Perret. Louise will be telling us the story of a memorable encounter she had with Jesus when she was nine years old. She'll also share about how she discerned the call to the vocation of consecrated virginity and how her encounter with Christ at nine years old still influences her faith today. So Louise, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I'm really excited for people to hear from you. Could you tell us just a little bit about yourself in a nutshell uh, before you tell your story? All right. Well, my name is Louise Perret, and um, I'm really happy to be able to talk to you today about this because I uh, I love the Lord a lot, and I'd love to be able to talk about Him. And so, uh, it's been a big part of my life. I some of you may know that I'm a consecrated virgin, and people always ask me, "What is that?" and right. "How did you ever get to be one of those?" Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit, and. Um, and I'm also a spiritual director, which uh, I'll talk about a little bit at the end. And uh, before I did all this, I spent 42 years working in Catholic publishing. So I've had a lot of fun doing things, different things to, you know, spread the news about Jesus right. and uh, how good he is to us. So so I'm going to start in here talking about, you know, how did I, what is a consecrated virgin? Because a lot of people haven't heard of that vocation and, um it's a form of consecrated life that is lived individually. It's not lived in a like in a religious order. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we're most familiar with is you right. know sisters that wear habits and live together. But this is a, a form of consecrated life. So you and it really revolves around um, a relationship with the Lord about us being married to Him. And uh, people sometimes think that sounds strange. And how does that work for a human being? And um, it works because of God's love. It works because of God's call. It's not something that I started out in life thinking, yeah, I think I'd like to be this, but it's the way God led me in in helping me to know him and to understand his love for me, and he helped me learn to love him. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit how all that happened. I'm going to go, I'm going to go way back in my life to when I was about nine years old. So it was a long time ago. It happened during a, a time in, in our country's life where there was kind of a, a political crisis or an international crisis, really, and it was called the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, some of you probably have never even heard of the Cuban Missile Crisis, but a lot of people learned about it in history class. 
And I'm probably the only person in the world that gets all excited about the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> and the reason I get excited about it is because that was the time when I first came to know Jesus Christ, and he became real to me in my life. So I want to talk about that a little bit, because that really changed everything from the time I was nine to today. Really, it changed everything. So, so I, I was nine years old. And I was a good Catholic girl from a Catholic family and went to Catholic school. And I'd say the thing that most characterized my life is I was a very shy kid. I was very quiet and I was pretty insecure. And so here I was, not the happiest kid around, but, you know, doing my little kid thing. And uh, I, I guess I'll say a little bit about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, that there were uh, missiles planted in Cuba, mm -hmm. uh, Russian missiles that were pointing at the U.S., and everybody was afraid that they were going to fire them. And uh, and the the nuns who taught at my school, I, I remember very much on one Friday, they said, uh, go home and pray that the Russians don't get us. Oh. Something, you know, deep... Profound, right. but it was really coming out of, there was a lot of fear and right. everybody was afraid. So I was a good little girl and I went home and I, Saturday afternoon, I sat on the edge of my bed. It's the first time I ever remember saying a spontaneous prayer. Right. And I said something very deep and profound, like, oh God, don't let the Russians get us. And <laughs> amen. And that was kind of it. And, um, and the ama an amazing thing happened. I experienced the love and the presence of Jesus Christ there in that room. Wow. After that, you know, kind of almost a dopey prayer, you right. know. <laughs> but you realize there's no such thing as a dopey prayer. No, that's so, and that's true. It's such like the beautiful thing is yeah. that even those like those prayers where you don't have the words. Right, right. And for me, as quiet and shy as I was, there were, you know, there was no reason for me to think that Jesus was going to show up there. You know, yeah, it was yeah. just I, I had never heard of anybody experiencing him personally, mm. and, and I've often asked myself, how did, how did he know how to find me? How did he know how to meet me at the the depth of my being? I was just a dumb kid, you know, but he loved me, and it was so clear to me, and. It's funny when I look back because it wasn't like what's going on or what's happening or, you know, I knew right away that Jesus was with me and mm. I knew that he loved me. And I, I have to say now it's like, you know, 60 years later and I still know he loves me. And I've never I've never not known that he changed mm. me so completely in that moment. Wow. So did you at the moment when that happened, you said you knew his presence? Yes. So you just. Was it like uh, you felt him there or you felt that he was real or did you feel like he was responding to you? I felt like he loved me. I felt like he loved me so profoundly and I, and I knew it was him and I knew that he loved me and I didn't, you know, I didn't think anymore about the Russians huh. coming, you know, I didn't. And you were nine, you said? I was nine. So yeah, like a nine-year-old doesn't, it sounds like it was something that was so profound and different that you just knew it couldn't be anything else. Or did you did you wonder, did I just imagine that feeling? I didn't wonder that because it was so 
so deep and so huh. profound and prolonged. I mean, wow. it was there was no question to me that it was Jesus. And it didn't seem odd to me. Isn't that funny? Because yeah. I, I didn't have any background or any, I never heard a story of anybody having an experience like this. But I knew, I knew that he loved me and that he was there with me sitting in that room on a Saturday afternoon, wow. you know, and I, I've often thought, you know, you hear that you have to open your heart to the Lord, or you have to pray and mm-hmm. open up. And my opening up was don't let the Russians get us. That that's as profound as he it was. He can use anything. He can use anything. Anything. And I almost, when I thought about it since then, I almost felt like he just he was just waiting for an opportunity mm. for me to open up in any any way to him that right. he wanted to show himself to me, and he did. And um, and I I've often I mean I've thought about this a lot that there's never been a time since then that I didn't believe that Jesus loved me. And I realized how how deeply he changed me when he came to me that day. And he has continued to change me, you mm-hmm. know, every day of my life, really. But it's not, and it's not like I always feel that closeness, or but I always know it's there. I, I never wondered. I wonder if God loves me anymore. Yeah. No, he changed me so profoundly. And so, you know, I'm I'm overwhelmed by that a lot when I think about how mm-hmm. good God was to me. And um so you might think that it, you know, then I suddenly changed and I was, you know, bright and sparkling. <laughs> the life of the party. Like instant and saint. <laughs> a lot of fun and yeah, yeah, you know, but I was still this dumb shy little girl, you know. And uh, but the difference was I was a shy little girl that God loved and it changed it changed Which everything in me. Is- like all the difference. It made all the difference. And as I went through, you know, my teenage years, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd like to say that all my problems were gone, but that, that's not true, mm-hmm. you know. But when I had a problem, I always knew that God was going to help me with it. I always knew I could ask him about it. And that no matter how I struggled with different things and, you know, everybody does, right. you know, especially if you're a teenage girl. Oh, definitely as a teenager. You know, yeah. but um, I, I just knew that God was going to help me. And how many times did he come to me at night when I, w- I would experience him close to me mm-hmm. and comforting me from something terrible that happened that day? You know, terrible in the eyes of a kid, you know. And people wonder, well, did you always think then, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a consecrated virgin? Well, the answer to that is no. You did, know, you, I, did you even know what that was? I didn't even know what it was. Okay. And I I knew what religious sisters were, mm-hmm. but I just never had any interest in, in being a religious sister. And so I was just kind of going through my life. And um, when I went to college at University of Michigan, I became involved in the charismatic community there. Mm-hmm. And in that experience, I suddenly knew other people who had had an encounter with the Lord. Um, for a long time, I, I just didn't, never talked about my encounter with him and my continuing encounters because I didn't know anybody else who that's had what that I, experience. That's what I wanted to ask you was, did you tell anybody when that happened? No. No. No, no. It was my secret. And I, uh, because I was already shy and quiet, mm-hmm. you know, I thought this is all I need is to tell people now that Jesus is talking to me, right. you know, in the bedroom, right. you know, mm-hmm. I think, no, <laughs> yeah. that's not going to yeah. go over. So I, I just kept it very secret. But as I, you know, once as I sort of moved into adulthood and I knew other people, it became more, um, sort of more acceptable. Right. And 
And all the time, my love for the Lord kept growing, you know, and it was a deepening and deepening thing. And as I, um, you know, tried to figure out what was going to be the direction of my life, and I began working in the publishing company and focusing on that, which was really a great opportunity to bring God's word to not just a few people, but to millions of people out there who were reading our books. And so I think that kept growing something in my heart, growing a desire to give back to the Lord more and more. And as I, you know, started thinking about, you know, was I going to get married? Was I going to, you know, what was I going to do with my life? I started sensing that maybe God was saying he wanted me to be consecrated to him in some way. And my first thought was, well, that ain't going to happen. Because <laughs> you know? I just couldn't picture and myself. You, were you at that point still thinking about like nuns or well, religious sisters? or Yeah, that was all the only model that I knew about it. But, you know, as, as I spent, you know, I actually spent several years kind of thinking about it and praying and, you know, asking God what he wanted. And more and more, I, I felt convinced that he wanted me to be in, in some way, in some kind of consecrated life for him. And mm -hmm. at the time, I was really growing in my love for the Catholic Church. And I was growing, especially in love for the Blessed Sacrament and, you know, wanting to spend more and more time with him in the Blessed Sacrament and thinking, okay, how how, am I, how is this all going to work out? You know, that was yeah. always a question. Yeah. And um, I started talking to my pastor at the time about it and started going to visit some religious orders just to see if I could get a feel. He, he was very, uh, my pastor was so helpful to me to say, you'll know when it's time and God will make something clear to you. And so, and the pretty much the only thing that I was clear about is I didn't want to be a consecrated virgin. <laughs> I, I had a oh friend. My I, I knew one person that was a consecrated virgin. And I thought, if I'm going to do this, I want the package deal. I want, you know, I want the habit. I want the house. I want the ministry. Oh, that is so, if I had a penny for the times that I've heard different people say that about their vocation. Yeah, yeah. But they say, but not that way. Yeah, not that way. I, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it, the effect it ended up having on me is by the time I finally found myself wanting to be a consecrated virgin, I thought, okay, this has to be real because it's not something that I would, never that I, have I would not this. have gone for this uh -huh. on my own. Mm -hmm. And there was a point when I kind of just decided to let things sit for a while, you know, and I spent some time not visiting, but just praying, you know, and asking God what to do. And and I, I remember I came to a point where I thought I would be so disappointed if I couldn't be a consecrated virgin. And I, I didn't know how I got there, but I knew it was God's call and God's leading to me. So I uh, became a consecrated virgin back in, um, it was in 1992. So that's like 29 years 29 ago, years. I think. Yeah. And, you know, one of the beautiful things to me on this whole process of discerning what I was supposed to do and, and my decision to become a consecrated virgin is that even though I started out thinking I don't want to do that, um, since I made the decision, I've never for a day doubted that that's what I was supposed mm. to do. And I've never wondered, should I have done something else? Am I doing the right thing? I might sometimes wonder, am I able to live this well? Am I generous enough with God to to serve him in this way and to give myself to him in this way? But I, I never, ever doubted that it was God's call to me. And I think that can that's an, a huge miracle to me because it's easy for me to doubt 
mm-hmm. things. You know, am I doing the right thing? And he's always, it's, it's, it's not a question. It's just a, settled in my heart. So I've been doing, I've been a consecrated virgin for 29 years. And um, what was the process to, for that? Just for people that don't know, how did you become one? Yeah, well, at, at that time, you know, it was kind of a new vocation. It was, it was really the oldest vocation in the church because before there were religious orders, uh, women became consecrated virgins if they wanted to be mm-hmm. consecrated to God. But it became, it went out of use in the church mm-hmm. for many years as religious orders grew. And so there weren't new consecrated virgins. But I think it was back in the 70s, mm-hmm. 1970s, after Vatican II, that it became uh, a viable vocation right. again. So there wasn't a great process in place. Okay. In fact, we were all, we've were we learned a lot since then. Mm-hmm. And, and what I've learned since then is I went about it all the wrong way. <laughs> but somehow God worked that out. Mm-hmm. And um, But, you know, if somebody right now that would be interested, you know, most dioceses have um, someone that, that works with vocations and that you would talk to that person and you live your life under the authority of your diocesan bishop. Okay. And there is an association of consecrated virgins in the United States where there's support and newsletters and testimony and, you know, retreats and things like that. So that's, uh, that's the process now. And the one thing that has endured since the early days of the church is the rite of consecration, Mm -hmm. just a beautiful prayer of, of, offering of yourself to the Lord. And that, if you're not inspired already, that would inspire you right there, just reading that right and understanding what it is that you're offering. Mm-hmm. And so that essentially then is your wedding, like yes, the equivalent yes. of someone's wedding. And and women wear, wear wedding dresses, mm-hmm. to, you know, but I didn't, because we didn't know at that point, right. we didn't have any, right. you know. But your spouse and your, voca- your spouse's yes. vocation is Christ. It is. And, you know, people might wonder how that works. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I wonder, but, (laughs) you know, it's, it's really based on uh, the knowledge that he's called me to this. Mm -hmm. You you couldn't fake your way through this. And, um, and it calls everything I have out of me because it's a response, a response to a love that that's deep and great and personal. Yeah. Uh, It can only it it you, it takes everything. It takes everything that you have and everything that you are. Um, I joke that I never win an argument with my spouse. But <laughs> oh my! Yeah, yeah. I always, whenever I'm I'm upset about something that he's doing, I, 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 I laugh at myself because you. I think you know you're going to have to repent for this eventually. <laughs> so I try to get there quickly. You're not winning this one. No, I'm not winning this one. But the good side of that is that he watches out for me, for my good all the time. And I've come to realize when I disagree with him, it's because of you know my sinfulness. It's not mm. because he's got a bad idea. And um, so the, the more quickly I adjust and submit to what he wants to do, the more the more blessed I am. And it's, you know, life is a process of that. We're always, I guess, no matter what your vocation is, there are many things you have yeah. to surrender to that aren't maybe your first idea. So that is kind of the essence of the vocation. You know, it's very simple in some ways, but it requires everything. And, and yet it's such a joyful, uh, profound life. And the other thing that, as I thought about talking to you today, I thought, 
it's so important that people understand that Jesus is calling them and that Jesus loves them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had no idea until he mm-hmm. showed up in my bedroom mm-hmm. that day. But um, since then, it's become my passion to, to tell mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. you know, open the door to him. You know, I think um, it's it has been a surprise to me. One, one thing that has happened recently in my life is I became a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. So I get to talk to a lot of people about, you know their their spiritual life mm-hmm. and and when I ask them about their prayer life, it's kind of like long silences, you know. And mm-hmm. and they'll tell me, well, we pray for people who are sick, or we pray, for, you know, mm-hmm. we'll say the rosary, you know, here or there. And those are wonderful things; those mm-hmm. are beautiful things. But they don't have any conception of a personal relationship mm-hmm. with with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about, you know. We're we're called to friendship with Him. He calls us as friends, and yeah. He calls us into that. And but we don't even know how to open our heart. We don't even know that it's an option to open our heart. Right. I had people tell me, "Oh, that's not Catholic. You can't be a friend of Jesus." And I go, "Well, you might want to check, you know, <laughs> the Gospel of John, because Jesus thought we were friends." Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, but it's it's uh, so I, I I love to you know tell people about it. One of the things that I I see a lot there's there's a passage that has been on my heart a lot lately. Mm-hmm that we probably learned when we were little kids. It's the one where Jesus is knocking at the door and saying, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if you'll open the door, I'll come in and eat with you. And kids love that because they got the little picture of Jesus knocking at the door, and it seems like something kids would do. But what I've been learning and realizing is that he never stops knocking. You know, it's not like he said, I'll knock once, and then, you know, if you don't answer tough. Right, right. He's always knocking. He's mm-hmm. always knocking. And so many people say, well, I, I just don't know how to find Jesus or how to get close mm-hmm. to him. So all you have to do is just poke mm-hmm. open that door a little bit and he's there. He's waiting to come to you, you know, right. and that you can, you can ask him in, you can invite him mm-hmm. in. And he's just as eager to touch each heart as he was to touch mine when I was yeah. that little, yeah. little girl. Yeah. And worried about the Russians, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about it, especially right now, because there's so many things in the world that worry us, you know? So many things. I mean, everybody has is fearful about something in our, with the COVID or mm-hmm. something in the society or in the, you know, the international world, right. but, you know? You said earlier, you said you were, at that time, it was a an international crisis. And I thought, gee, what's that like? <laughs> yeah, gee, we don't have any of those, you know? It doesn't matter what your political persuasion is. There are things that are, are anxiety producing, yeah. you know? And I I have a lot of people asking about it. You know, in my mm-hmm. role as a spiritual director, I get a lot of, lot of comments. You know, people are really suffering from anxiety. Right. And I think, but Jesus is in charge of everything, you know? And it sounds sort of simplistic to say that, but it really it's the deepest, most profound reality there is. He's the Lord of everything. He's He's the King of Kings, and yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, the whole universe belongs to Him. Yes, and the beginning and the end. And that's right. That's right. And His death on the cross, it, the the power of His blood to forgive our sins and to heal us and to set us free. It's just as powerful today as it ever was, and we can think of it as sort of like that's nice that He did that. You know, how many thousand years ago, but. No, he does it for each one of us. Each each day, he's he's pouring out his grace upon us for healing, and for freedom, and and so I I'm I'm really uh, 
I, I, I think for myself a lot about that, just mm-hmm. opening that door. When I when I listen to the news and get anxious, mm-hmm. I hardly listen to the news anymore because oh, it's I, it's too yes. difficult. But mm-hmm. you know, there's I'm I'm always opening that door to Jesus and saying, I come in, please come in. Well, and as you're talking about that, like the news, I'm thinking about opening doors and that when we're watching the news or listening to the news or reading the news, we're opening the door to that in our life. And just like you open the door and allow somebody in, you know, to your home, you're opening the door to that and allowing that in. And and that might not be necessarily a bad thing, but if you don't open the door and let Jesus in, right, then you don't have that context of right, what you were right. saying, which is that Jesus is taking care of everything and is there during everything and seeing everything and with us and everything. And mm-hmm. and so I th- I think of how easy it is. I know exactly what you mean to get just feel like you're being overwhelmed by waves of things that are going on in the world and it just seems like it's one thing after another but jesus is he's he's knocking and we're we're in the house panicking and he's just knocking gently like if you please let me into this please let me in Mm mm-hmm I know I'm telling people all the time if you no matter what kind of anxiety you Mm -hmm. have the name of Jesus will calm your your spirit Mm -hmm. and enable you to go forth in faith and to embrace, you know, whatever the truth we know. Mm -hmm. We know a lot of good, true things, Mm -hmm. you know, but we tend to, they're not first in our thoughts a lot of times. Right. Right. Sometimes they're in the back and we've got to to call them up. They need to be pulled up. They need to be pulled up. And that's why it's so important to have that time, that relationship when you get to know Jesus Mm -hmm. and have it, Mm -hmm. you know, where your faith that you've been raised with, or maybe not, maybe you've just come to Mm -hmm. it recently, but whatever it is, we have to make it personal. We have to take it in and make it our own mm-hmm. and live it in a personal mm-hmm. way. And it makes all the difference in the world. You yes. know, I, I'm I'm living testimony to that mm-hmm. because I was not the kind of kid that you would think would fall, you know, be in love with Jesus. But he loved me first and he loves each right. of us first. And if only we could know that more fully. Yeah. If only we could open our hearts to it. Yeah. Do you think looking back at the time when you were nine and the missile crisis, like at the time you, you felt, you know, as you described it, a deep, profound reality of, of Christ's love. Uh-huh. So do you think that that was kind of the start of your call to consecrated virginity way back then? Yeah, it's funny because I didn't know anything about it or have mm-hmm. never thought anything about that. But when I came to the time in my life when I was trying to make a decision about what direction to go, I don't think I could have done anything else. Mm-hmm. And I I see the roots of it going mm-hmm. way back there. Um yeah. Even though it didn't it wasn't clear at right. the time, but I I had been called. I had been somehow mm-hmm. God had in, initiated. And you know, one thing I want to say is you know, my my journey there ended up being a consecrated virgin. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to happen for most people. Mm-hmm. They're going to have another vocation. Mm-hmm. But God is still taking you on that journey, and he still loves you just as profoundly. It doesn't have to lead to a consecrated vocation, but it, it just is a matter of um, opening your heart to him. And that's why mm-hmm. I I go back to that story about you know, mm-hmm. opening the door and letting Jesus come in, because he wants that for everybody. I, one of the things uh, I've been doing, I think I mentioned it already, that I became a spiritual director. So yeah. I get to hear a lot of people, you know, it's 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 just amazing how, you, you know, people haven't heard that they could have this kind of relationship. But when mm-hmm. they're open, you know, they really, you know, you can learn to 
make that time, that quiet time to be yeah. with him, yeah. to open the door and uh, put fear aside, to mm-hmm. start to learn some, you know, mm-hmm. foundational truths about the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And so it's, for anybody that feels like, well, God never came to me when I was nine, you know, I don't care if you're late. 89, you know, God can still come to you and he still wants to. And it'll be a different story than mine. You'll experience it in a different way. But he, you know, that's, if we have that sincere openness to him, mm-hmm. it's not like putting money in a vending machine, you know, and you, right away you get your candy bar or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's more like, no, you, you, you begin to open and that quiets you down and then you start to be able to hear him. So no matter what your situation is, mm-hmm. I really, uh, I believe with all my heart mm-hmm. that he's waiting to know you better. Yeah. And no matter how much you've known him or whether you had a childhood experience and then you kind of turned your back on it, it doesn't matter. He is waiting for you. He's still there not. That's, that's the thing that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. So you mentioned spiritual direction. Yes. What is spiritual direction? Um, and who can have who can go to spiritual direction? And how would they do that? Yeah, well, you know, our parish is really blessed because we have, I think we have five people who have been trained mm-hmm. as spiritual directors mm-hmm. in this parish. So, you know, people who think us having a spiritual director might be helpful, they can call our parish office mm-hmm. because they can put you in contact with uh, one of the five that we have here right. and, you know, based on what your particular needs mm-hmm. and desires are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, why would someone want to have a spiritual director? I think people might think it's, you know, a little too, whatever, highfalutin for them or something, <laughs> you know, that they're not that, not that good. But I think everybody has a hunger in their heart mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. And if they're honest with themselves, they will experience that or mm-hmm. they, they can see it. And so if you, if you feel that hunger, but you don't know how to satisfy it, you know, there's there's not, like I said, there's not, you can't just push a button, but you can, right. there are ways you can learn to open your heart and you can learn about, you know, the things that Jesus has said. Sometimes we, even some of the most fundamental truths, we're mm-hmm. not aware of them or, or like, yes, we know God loves everybody, but to know that God loves you and he loves you so mm-hmm. profoundly and he died mm-hmm. for you and he's here for you. People don't know that mm-hmm. personal end of it. And so a spiritual director can help you come in contact with that and can help you take those truths of the Bible and the truths of the church and apply those mm-hmm. to your own situation wherever you're mm-hmm. struggling and kind of help lead you in different things that can help you open up to God. It's not about me telling them what to do or me, mm-hmm. but it's me, you know, op- trying to be open to the Holy Spirit and and always praying for the Holy Spirit to come, but then seeing what you can see God already at work in this person. He's in work in each one of us. And sometimes the person is the last one to see it, you know, for whatever reason, but, but an outside person can see that and help point it out and help, help you be open to it and receive it. So it's, it's not about, you know, somebody directing you, like telling you, okay, here's your list Mm -hmm. of things, do this, but it's more like someone saying, okay, Here's a way that you could respond to God's work in your life. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's quite a beautiful thing. And it's done as a as a service, as a gift. There's no right. charge okay. for it. And it's just something that our diocese wants to provide for people. Mm-hmm. And it's always confidential. We have strict confidentiality. And 
you know, they can they can try it out. And and sometimes after talking for a few times, it, it helps them get past a hurdle. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord if that happens, right. you know. Right. But then oftentimes what I see is that it, it stirs a hunger to go deeper. Mm-hmm. And so they want to keep meeting because mm-hmm. they, they've realized that they can right. come to know better this personal grace of God in their lives. Louise, thank you so much. People are really going to be blessed to hear this. It's been a, a gift. Did you? Would you like to close us with, with a prayer? I would love to. Okay. And take it away. Okay. Come Holy Spirit and open our hearts to take in all the things we've talked about today. Open our hearts to be to come closer to Jesus and come to know him. Open our hearts to see your plan, your work in our lives, and to respond. Lord Jesus, we we want to know you. We want to follow you. We want to receive the grace you have for our lives, and especially the great gift of salvation that you've given to each one of us. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your personal love for us. And thank you for the great gift of salvation. We look forward to to that great day when we're with you in heaven. Amen. Amen. If you have a story from your personal faith journey that you'd like to share with others through this podcast or by other means, you can let us know by filling out the form at standrewsaline.org slash witness.